Oh, what fun. Um, we are so delighted to have you here. I mean that. I know some of you maybe uh, aren't regular attenders. You're here visiting family or loved ones, and we are simply delighted to have you join us here at Timberline. We often say, fun church, serious mission. And that's really what we believe about this place, is that we have a lot of fun and a lot of laughter, but boy, what we're doing is very serious, isn't it? And we are very, very grateful for that. So we really welcome you, and we would love for you to get involved. I just have two things that I want to really kind of tell you about before I dive into this message, and that is that starting next weekend, we are kicking off a new six-week series, and I think these are going to be available on your way out today. I think there'll be some people standing at each exit, and it's simply called Healthy Mind. Now, this is very important because, especially following Easter, what we're seeing in our world today uh, with COVID and all the challenges is we're going to tackle hard topics like anxiety, depression, um, fear, anger. And we're going to really hit these things head on with how our thinking can be healed by God because most of our problems start between the ears, right? And everything matters inside of that brain of yours. So we're going to really try to pack in a lot of stuff over these next three weeks, and I hope that you will be here. Also, next weekend is Summit Weekend, and Summit 1, uh, my wife Bonnie and I get to teach that class. It's for all people new at Timberline, and so not tomorrow, but the following Sunday at 1230 after our last service, just come on across the hall, and we'll feed you lunch and have a great class together. It's really going to be a lot of fun. I, uh, I love Easter weekend, and we're in a series called Mirror, Mirror, and it's moments of reflection, and I didn't know that I would include the, the Easter message in the series, but we've been looking at episodes that happened before the death of Jesus that are similar to the episodes that happened after the resurrection. And so I've called this message this weekend, Tomb to Tomb. Because when they first went to the tomb, they had a dead body with them. The body of Jesus. But when they came back to the tomb on Sunday morning, he was alive. And the tomb was empty. And I started thinking about that. I started thinking about in our lives how many times we are sucked in by the tomb of death. Satan wants to get a grip on us. He wants to control us. He wants us to live with fear and anxiety. And before you know it, we're facing maybe not physical death, but emotional death, relational death. And, and it, it consumes us. And we need to visit that tomb one more time where we can confess that Jesus is alive and he paid the price for me to not live consumed by that power of death that Satan wants to rule over me. Now, i got to tell you, I, uh, I lived, I grew up in Grand Junction, Colorado, West Slope, and I used to ride my Schwinn 10-speed, which was bright orange, to what we called then junior high, middle school today. It was about five miles away, and I had to go down several big hills, but the worst part of the whole trip was when I had to ride about a quarter of a mile on a road that was right next to the big cemetery. 
And that was one of those cemeteries with the big old trees and the wind would blow and the demons would howl. <laughs> I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. It's just creepy. And I'd be on that bike and I'd, I'd be going and, and I'd hear something behind me. <laughs> look back and it, it was one of those that had the big like tombstones, you know. And so you look out across there and it's all dark and you think you see something move and then you know someone's chasing you. And I, I, I used every gear on that 10-speed going down that quarter of a mile. I just always couldn't wait to get by it because tombs are creepy. Let's face it. You know, we don't like it. Usually when we say, what do you think of when we say a tomb? We think of death because that's what tombs are for is to put people who have died in them. And I don't know of any that have ended up empty because someone came back alive, except for one. And that's what we're celebrating this weekend. It's a one and only. And he took the sin of the world upon him. Now let me just quickly say, before we dive into this outline, let me just give you a quick run through that Jesus has always been. He was in heaven with his Father. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Jesus is the Son. He's always been. He decided in the master plan with the Trinity to come to this earth in the form of a baby. If you've been around at Christmas, you know, my wife talks about growing up, coming to church on Christmas and Easter. Someone called her a creaster. Christmas and Easter. She had never heard that. And she has a lot of fun. In summit class, she tells how it was always confusing to her because... Jesus was a baby when she went to church. He was born, and the next time she came to church, he was being crucified on a cross. And she didn't know really anything in between. That's a little confusing. So if you don't know anything in between, Jesus came to this earth as a child. We celebrated at Christmas. But when he was about 30 years old, he launched a ministry where people were healed. He taught in synagogues. He became an enemy of religious leaders. Can I just tell you? Jesus was not a very religious person. And I'm not either. Religion is sort of the form in which man makes in order to try to please God. And I got, I got news for you. You're never going to please God by doing what you think pleases Him. We please God by obeying the commands of Jesus and listening to the Spirit which lives within us. And that's powerful when you really think about it. Well, he had so much trouble with the religious leaders that they decided to have him killed. And it was a special death. Death by crucifixion. The Romans knew how to do it well. I won't go into all the details of it. Good Friday has passed. We're sad that all of the suffering happened to our Lord and Savior. But we get to rejoice that he put the sins of the world on himself. And he was resurrected on that third day, which created a lot of controversy. So that's where I want to pick it up in these three or four short points that I just want to give you. Notice I said short points, just to give you hope. Just hang in there with me. So number one in your outline, if you have the app or you have a piece of paper there, Jesus lays down his life. It, it's very clear that they didn't just kill Jesus, they took his life. He laid his life down. He allowed all this to happen. He could have bailed out any moment, but he didn't because he saw you in the future. Pretty humbling, isn't it? It's pretty humbling. Luke 23. By this time, he's on the cross, he's about to die. 
It was about noon. Darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and suddenly the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. This is interesting. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and he said, surely this man was innocent. And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw that what had happened, they went home in deep sorrow. But Jesus' friends, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching. This is the moment in history where B.C. and A.D. start. This is the moment in history where all time is marked. Because this was so big in the world, the then known world. It's undeniable. And people who don't accept this as a reality just are not informed. Honestly, this is a historical fact. Jesus was put on the cross and he died. And he died so that we would not have to. Number two in your outline, the tomb of death. So what happens in the story is this. In, in Matthew 27, verse 57, as evening approached, Joseph, who was a, a rich man from Arimathea, who had become a follower of Jesus, he went to Pilate. Paul, Pilate's the leader. And he asked for Jesus' body. And Pilate issued an order to release that body uh, to Aram, uh, Joseph. And Joseph took the body and he wrapped it in a long sheet of clean linen cloth and he placed it in his own new tomb which had never been which had been carved out of rock and then he rolled a great stone across the entrance and he left both Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting across from the tomb watching all of this now now here's where the story gets pretty interesting in verse 62 the next day on the sabbath the leading priests and the Pharisees went to see Pilate. And they told him, Sir, we remember what that deceiver, who are they talking about here? They're talking about Jesus because they had him put to death. Even though he laid his life down, they were responsible for wanting him dead. He once said, while he was still alive, that after three days, I will arise from the dead. So we request that you seal the tomb until the third day, which is very significant about the spirit and the body to these people in this day and age. This will prevent his disciples from coming and stealing his body and then telling everyone that he was raised from the dead. If that happens, we're going to be worse off than we were at first. I love this. I love that it was the religious leaders who asked for a seal on that tomb. That way there is no doubt. Let me just give you some assurance. If Rome sealed a tomb, they placed guards by it, and for three days nobody was allowed to go in or out of that tomb. That seal would not be broken. They ruled the world. And if you tried, you would die because they didn't care about your life. So we have a very important document in Scripture that says this tomb was sealed. 
I love that. I have a question for you. Do we all have a potential tomb of death? What is something in your life that could lead to maybe spiritual death, emotional death, relational death? Maybe not physical at all. But I would propose that some of you are dying. Now we know that we start dying immediately after we're born in some ways, even though we're growing physically. But I've met people who are dying because of anger. They're dying because of greed or addiction. They're dying because of hate or violence and Satan has his grip on them and they're running toward the tomb without even realizing it. Now think about this with me. Do you know your tendency toward death? This kind of death. You know, as a pastor, I work with a lot of people, thousands of people through the years. And I could tell you incident after incident of people who have been living in grave clothes, in a way, in the tomb of death, because of a grudge. They just couldn't let it go. And it killed them. You know what it did? It took away their future. It took away their potential. In a sense, they lost their life because of something that happened 20 or 30 years ago. I, I, I plead with you on this day as we look at resurrection weekend that you recognize you have grave clothes on. You have a tendency and you better pay attention to it. And you need Jesus to bring you to the other side of that death into life. And you're going to trust Him with that. You say, but I can't help it. It just consumes my mind. You don't know what happened to me. You're right. But I know this. God's Spirit is greater than the spirit of the enemy who wants to squeeze life out of you. And God has come to give you life, life abundant, so that you don't have to live with those grave clothes on. And there are so many people right now who are living so close to death. And man, it just breaks my heart. All of these things bring a slow death to any person that allows these things to continue in their life. That's why Jesus came, is so we could get that off of us. Now let me take you to number three. The tomb of resurrection and life. In Luke 24, we read the fabulous story. Very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb. Is this the same tomb? Yep, it's been sealed. Taking spices they had prepared, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. So they went in. Boy, how many of you wouldn't have done that? I don't know if I would have. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, why were they puzzled? Because they saw him die. They were puzzled. Two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. And they were angels. The women were terrified and they, they bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking 
among the dead for someone who is alive. He isn't here. (laughs) He is risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, that he would raise again on the third day? Then they remembered that he had said this. So they rushed back from the tomb to tell his 11 disciples and everyone else what had happened. You guys, that's why we have gathered this weekend is because we believe this was a new beginning. They rushed back. What do you like when you're rushing? Uh, tomorrow morning, if you're around about 6.30, we're going to do a sunrise service out in the North Lawn. It's going to be really fun. I'm not doing any of the similar message, nothing. I'm going to be talking about when do you run. And, and it has to do with all the people that ran in this story. They rushed, and I can just see trucking down, trying to get to those disciples. What makes you run? We'll talk about that. I, ho- I hope you'll join us at 6.30 for about 25 minutes. It's going to be special. It's going to be perfect weather. <laughs> Bring a chair and a blanket and a warm coat. He is not here. He is risen. These are the greatest words you'll ever hear. Last point. Our decision... From the tomb of death to the tomb of life. Now here's here's what I want you to hear me say. Every day, you make decisions about what tomb you're going to visit. Every day. You choose to either let that tomb of death hold a grip on you by your thinking. That's why we're doing this series starting next weekend. Your doubt, your worry... Your fear, your anger, it's real. You guys, it's real. And I know it's real. But that tomb wants to get such a grip on you that you don't see the other side of the tomb. The part where the body's not there, the part where the linens lay, the part where there is no death. Satan wants to keep you from seeing that. And it works. He does it all the time to people. And they collapse and they take their life and they live in addiction. And they don't have any way out. Why? Because all they feel is the tomb of death. It's real. I know somebody who was in the tomb of death. His name is Tom. I'm going to ask Tom to come up here. Tom, would you just join me for a minute? I want to talk to you about some of the things that you faced and some of the things that you went through in your life. I've known Tom and Shannon for years. And I've watched this brother. Thank you for, for sharing your story. I've watched him and I've watched his life. What was your tomb of death, Tom? My tomb of death Uh, about 30 years and uh, I was dying a slow death because of it I was about ready to lose everything that I had my family my friends and I was just dying a slow death because of that Tom what if you could reflect just for a moment on this the part of your story what what would you say brought you into that 
darkness, that deep of a hole. And when did all this start? Yeah, I, I grew up a scared individual from very little. I was scared of everything. I was scared of the dark. I was scared of lightning. I was scared of sunshine. I was scared of my own shadow, really. And, uh, and so when I was about 15, I, I took my first drink. And I just remember that, that time and, and those problems and that fear went away and I became this different person and I thought, this is, this is amazing. And, uh, and I lived that for, for a long time, you just did. over and over. And it felt like it was a frog in a, if you put a frog in a pan of water and you slowly turn the, the temperature up, that frog is going to eventually die. And that's what I felt like. Now, Tom, you were in a marriage with Shannon um, during so much of this time. Um, what, what was kind of the, what was happening in your home that, that made this kind of have a, have, a, have a moment when it had to change? Yeah. Um, well, it was uh, in May of 2016, I, I woke up and uh, on the floor of my garage, not, not remembering how I'd got there because I very frequently would black out um, and and I don't I don't remember uh, what exactly happened that night I don't remember how I got home Shannon had locked me out of the house and and I had nowhere to go Wait, well let's stop right here we need Shannon up here I come agree. here Shannon come on up here we we need to hear your side of the story because this this is really remarkable you guys with what happened come on over here a little closer to me and let her come in here. Shannon, what would you say was your tomb of death? Yeah, hello everybody. So my tomb of death, death is that I was married to an alcoholic husband. And to put it into a little perspective, um, we have a blended family of five kids. When we got married, they were four to 14 and now they're 17 to 27. Um, and we were both working full time. So needless to say, there was a lot going on when this was happening. A lot. What, what would you say, Shannon, was the reality in your life at this time with Tom drinking every day, right? Every, was this a daily thing? Pretty regularly. Yeah, it was pretty much every day. And I, I couldn't, you know, the big difference between me and a lot of other people is that, you know, I couldn't just have one or two. It, one or two was, would turn into... 10 or 20, so. 10 or 20 beers? Mostly. In one night? Yeah. Wow. My mom's probably listening. And <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Mom. Sorry. We're going to move to the other side of the tomb here in a minute, Mom. <laughs> this Wait. is death. This is death. And, and how, how was life even like for you with kids and you know, it was very difficult because Tom is literally one of the greatest guys you will ever meet. And I am not just saying that because he's my husband. He truly is the greatest guy. And we have different last names. And so when somebody meets us and they say, oh, my gosh, you're married to Tom Hall, they're like, he's amazing. And I'm like, yeah, I know he is. But there was what I always used to say, 99 things out of 100 that was perfect about him. And that one thing, alcohol, literally consumed everything. And, you know, with all five kids at home, um, it was very, very difficult to count on him, whether it was carpools or attending kids' activities instead of going to happy hour. 
Um, and he helped out around the house. It wasn't to say that he didn't and he didn't attend the kids' activities. It was more so of a, I'll call it a process, because um, it was the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. And it was this fine balance of this great, great guy battling alcohol and trying to keep everything afloat. You know, during this time period, um, I got to be known as kind of the naggy, overreactive wife who literally just needed to chill. And what a lot of people didn't realize at that time was that I was just trying to keep our life afloat, our marriage, our kids, our home, our jobs. And you didn't want to like shame him in front of everybody yeah. either. What, yep. a, what a terrible tomb. You know, when you, when you think about your love for him in this, in this way, you, you mentioned to me about one of the Mother's Day. Oh, Could you, yeah. Would you mind just sharing that? Because it just broke my heart. Absolutely. So Tom alluded to it. It was May 2016. 16. It was Mother's Day weekend, and that had been a bad weekend. And again, the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Um, Saturday, Friday night was bad. Saturday morning, he got up, and he felt guilty. So he goes out and buys a new paddleboard, and he buys a potted plant thing and flowers to give to me for Mother's Day. Saturday night was bad again. And on Sunday morning on Mother's Day, we got up, and I said, the only thing I want today is for you not to drink. And he cracked his first beer at 11 and passed out at 6 that night heartbreaking dude i'm so mad at you right now <laughs> sorry <laughs> this was the breaking point though yes it was and you kind of put an ultimatum and you knew this was going to end you knew your life was about to end anyway right yeah on monday morning um i think that morning we only had two kids at home and i got up got the kids off to school and basically i said i'm out get your stuff together or this is over with and i said you could Call Timberline Church, call a counselor, or call your brothers. But I left, and I went to work. And God showed up. God showed up tell in a us, big way. Tell us about that time. Um, I had grown up um, believing, but I don't think I've ever really trusted God. Um, you know, I, I, talking about how I was scared about everything, and that's how I dealt with it. That's how I still deal with it today. And... Uh, not drinking. Not drinking. Sorry. How long have you been without alcohol? Uh, May 2016. Almost so. six years. <laughs> and so I woke up that morning and knew that it was it was going to be over. And I really didn't want to live, to be perfectly honest. I I, I really did not. And uh, you know, I'd thought about. I thought about it, I just didn't want to live. And so I got on my knees and I just remember I'm not a real eloquent uh, person of prayer. I just said, help me God, help me God. And it was just, I just remember it just like it was yesterday and it was, you know, raising, raising my hands and just, just please come into my life and remove this because I can't do it on my own. I can't. I couldn't imagine living without it. I could not imagine. It was so much of my identity. It was everything I was. It was everything I ever did. It was everything. It, and I thought, I cannot do this on my own. And I just asked God to remove that. And then the next minute, I called my brothers. My brothers were up within an hour, got me some medical assistance, got me into rehab, and, and, um, and, and just haven't, haven't had a drink since. And I, and I, I did get some help. So it wasn't just on my own. I had to get some help to do that. What I, would you guys, just in wrapping this up, Shannon, let's start with you. What would you say 
to people who are listening here today or online to, to, to encourage them of what, they, what that next step might be. Any thoughts? Um, yeah, so first of all, I would say that, one, I'm very proud of my husband. I'm proud of us, and I'm proud of our family. Uh, so congratulations again to almost six years. And then I would say for me, um, I always knew the person that he could become. I believed in him, and I believed in who he was and who he could become. I had a lot of hope and a lot of faith and then a lot of what I call God winks along the way. There were a lot of God winks that happened, and I am very grateful for that. Tom, how about you? Yeah, I would say I, I heard it early on. I heard uh, it was very simple. It's trust God, clean house, and help others. And so I posted this on my, on, in, my, in the kitchen, and every night when I came home, I would read that. And the trusting God thing is just giving that all over to God and trusting God. And I still struggle with fear and anxiety. That has not gone away. That is still here every day I live with that. But now I choose to trust in the Lord for that. And I've always been... Uh, not very vocal about that and I regret that in my life I wish I was always more vocal about that that you've got to trust in I trust in the Lord and Jesus died on the cross for our sins and 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 so I'm so happy about that and and so um so trusting God helping others and then cleaning house I had to make a lot of amends with a lot of different people and making amends to somebody doesn't necessarily mean you're you're saying you're sorry it's more of I can't believe I put you through this, and I'm sorry. I, I'm. I, I mean, what I put you through, what I put family through, uh, it's just a horrible thing. And so you have to make those amends. You have to clean up, clean up your house, and then helping others. That's just. That's consistently every day. I just run through that routine, and and it and it's not perfect, but it works. You guys are helping a lot of people even right now, in this moment. I still remember. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just share one last thing. I remember a summit class years ago that they were attended. We used to do summit on Sunday afternoon at five o'clock. And I remember after they graduated, they came up to me right over here and they said, and I talked to them out there too, they said, well, we finally made it to summit. I said, what took you so long as a joke? And, they, and Tom looked at me real serious and he said, well, I, I, I drank in the evenings. I couldn't go anywhere in the evenings. Now think about that. That is a tomb of death. Your whole life stops at 5 o'clock and you miss out on everything God had. I am so thankful that you guys have the rest of your life with your kids because you found the tomb of life and you got out of the tomb of death. Let's say thank you to Tom and Shannon thank you. one more time. God bless you guys. Tom made me this. He brought it to me today. Tomb to tomb. Has his initials down here. 2022. I'm pretty humbled by that. I'm going to hang on to this. I want to remember this. You know, it's easy for you to look at me and say, well, you know, you don't have a story like that. You're right, I don't. But believe me, I know the tomb of death. 
I've had things in my life that could have taken me out. If I hadn't let it go, if I hadn't forgiven, if I hadn't offered, if I hadn't repented. And so what I want to do now is I want to just, I want to invite you to face that tomb of death. For some of you, this is going to be real. It's going to be maybe that moment that Tom had. Because I'm going to ask you if you're willing to, not right yet, but in a minute, to stand as a symbol of facing this tomb of death. Because so many people, don't, they don't declare it. They don't say it. They don't say, help me God. They just think they're going to keep working on it. I won't do it again tomorrow. I won't do it next week. And I'm not talking about addiction. I mean, it might be addiction, but I would stand in a setting like this many times in my life, okay? So there's no embarrassment. This might just be a grudge. It might be something really simple. But in the long run, it's, it's controlling you, and you know it, and you want out. And I'm just going to pray over you, and then we're all going to stand after I pray over you, and we're going to sing a song of celebration and call it good. But I first want the opportunity for you to face the tomb of death knowing that there is a resurrection power to bring life where there was once death. Would everyone just bow their heads for a moment and close their eyes? God's already prompting some of you to stand and you know why. So as they play just this, this soft music, as God prompts you to face this tomb, just, just begin to stand all across this room in the quietness of this moment. It's between you and God. I'm going to pray over you and invite everyone to stand. So stand now if you want to face that tomb. Go ahead. Anyone else, please stand now because I'm going to pray now. Lord Jesus, thank you that you faced the tomb of death. And you did that so that your resurrection power could be a statement to us right now in rooms like this and those online who are standing right now Lord would you do a miracle would you let them have the freedom from this put a new heart a new way of thinking a new beginning let them step across the threshold may the grave close come off of them by faith give them wisdom like you did Tom to seek help if they need it to put people around them to step into that change but let this day mark that moment 
of a new beginning and new healing. And I thank you for my brothers and sisters who have the courage to face it. We give you glory for that. And we honor you in that because you faced it first. And that gives us hope. <laughs> in Jesus' mighty name.